And I'm Bill Newman. And we are here. It's our weekly visit with our extraordinary uh, professor emeritus from Greenfield Community College, uh, the expert on sustainability and all things science, Brian Adams. And, and really, you do have a, a distinguished and very special guest today. I do. But before I introduce him, I just want to say I'm cold, Buzz. It's cold out there. It's going to be cold all week. Baby, it's cold outside. Baby, I it's know. cold outside. Eight degrees tonight in some of the hill towns. That's just cold. And it's Brian, like you, this. you always tell me there's a difference between climate change and I, I, weather. We're not this is about weather. Change right now. I know it's weather, but it's still cold. <laughs> Whether it's caused by, by anything, it's cold. And on stays like this, do you know what I wish, Buzz? I wish I was a woodchuck. A woodchuck's got it. I mean, you just, you know, you dig this little burrow, you sleep all winter. You're, yeah, your temperature goes down. Yeah, you hardly breathe. Yeah, your heart rate's like boom, boom. Bill, boom, a- boom. after but, that complimentary introduction that I gave to our uh, professor emeritus, he wishes he was a woodchuck. Just for the winter. Just for the winter. Um, and here to talk about all things woodchuck and cold and how mammals make it through the winter is our wonderful senior conservation ecologist from Massachusetts Audubon, Tom Lotzenheiser. Tom, we've had you on the show before. Thank you so much for coming back. Thank you, Brian. So I want to talk about hibernation because it's really an amazing thing, amazing adaptation that uh, animals have to make it through the winter. Not many species of New England mammals truly hibernate, right? Um, who are they and how do they do it? Well, I guess the question is, what is hibernation? And it's a, a spectrum of behaviors that animals, some animals have to survive the winter. And it's a period of um, metabolic reduction. So the breathing slows down, core body temperature slows down, or, you know, reduces, um, heart rate slows down. Animals don't, they're not stirring, their activity is low. So that helps them just essentially keep their uh, energy reserves or energy demand low over the period of low, win- low food availability. Tom Lautzenheiser, that, that sounds like sleep. Is hibernation different than sleep in terms of your metabolic function? Hibernation is hugely different from sleep. The animals in hibernation are actually not sleeping. And our brain's... Every animal's brain needs some degree of sleep. And so hibernating animals actually have to stir themselves and arouse out of hibernation to, in order to sleep uh, so that their brains can get the sleep they need, and then they go back into hibernation. That's so interesting. So they will rouse themselves from hibernation to go to sleep. To go to sleep. And then come out of sleep to go back into hibernation. Exactly. Does the body temperature come up in the meta- during sleep? I understand it does, yes. Wow. And now who are we talking about who are the true hibernators? So true hibernators in, in New England, we just have the, the woodchuck, as you say. That's me. We've got That's jumping me. mice and a uh, number of species of bats that are, are bats that nest in or roost in caves and mines and, and places like that. Um, for our listeners, we're talking about mammals and hibernation and how mammals make it through the winter. And remember, bats are mammals. They're like us. They have, have to maintain this core temperature unless they're hibernating, right? 
Um, they're unable, they're able to regulate internal, and they have hair, and they give live birth. And, and I think one out of four species of mammals are bats. Is that right? That could something be, like yeah, that? something like that. Yeah, yeah. Great bat diversity, yeah. So, t- so talk about um, why hibernation? I mean, why not be active like fox and bobcat and deer? Well, you know, animals have different strategies for getting through the winter, and hibernation is one of them. Another is avoidance. So it's like migration. A lot of animals leave an area in order to get food. Uh, So why are animals hibernating? Well, they're doing it because it's a period of low food availability. And it's a, a spectrum of behaviors. So some animals are like true hibernators, as we say. Some animals are sort of light sleepers, like... Um, our black bears in in New England. Um, I, I I thought that skunks uh, hibernate, and, and I thought raccoons hibernate. They're also sort of more on this on the the light sleeper, you know, slumber kind of strategy than a true hibernating. In that their their body core body temperature stays close to what it would be during their active season. And how about chipmunks? Chipmunks are, are also in this sort of torpor uh, phase. They're, they're, they're not true hibernators. Science, Everything I science, think I know, I don't know. Science word of the day, though, Buzz, torpor. So not hibernation, but sort of a, a, of the light sleeper. And those are the chipmunks and the striped skunk and the bear and the, who's the other one? Raccoons, uh, raccoons, sure. Yeah. So if like if you're if you're a chipmunk, you're in your your den, you're kind of snoozing, you know, and then you get a little hungry. You've got your food cache right there that you've spent the fall building up. So you have a little snack, you pee, you poop, you do what you need to do, and then you go back to sleep for a few days. Um, so you're basically active. Bill, Just, you have a question? Well, I guess, do all the light sleepers uh, have their food ne- n- nearby so they can have a snack and then go back to sleep? Is that customary? That's a great question. No, because... It black, is in my house. Black bears, black bears, they, I guess you could say they have their food available, and that's their fat store that they built up over the fall. Um, massively increased their body weight in preparation for this period of just hanging out in a den uh, and just living off their fat reserves. So they'll lose a tremendous amount of weight during the winter. That's correct. Is that right? Yeah. And, and mother black bears or pregnant black bears will actually give birth during this period of torpor away <laughs> sleep. That's right. And, and how does that work? Well, I think they're, they're, again, their body temperature is pretty close to what it would be during the normal season. So... Uh, they're, you know, probably aware of what's going on, and they just have their litter. And the cubs nurse. And the cubs nurse, and, and everybody's cozy in the den. Wow, wow. Um, let's talk about those that are animals that are really active. Uh, deer, I'm thinking deer. I saw a fox the other day. Um, a friend saw a crossing bridge road here in Northampton yesterday, a bobcat. Uh, so they, they're not light sleeping. I mean, they're sleeping at night, but they're doing their thing. Doing their thing. Yeah, and, and, and it just seems, you know, when it's 10 degrees or 15 degrees outside, that that is a really challenging way to make it through the winter. 
It really is. And um, I think the, the critical thing for them is that they need, they need to keep finding food. Uh, so deer need to keep eating to sustain themselves over the winter. Uh, bobcats need to keep hunting. What really um, comes to mind for me as, an, as a winter active mammal are weasels. So, like, you see weasel tracks in the woods and um, fisher tracks, for example. Fishers just exploring every tree to find a squirrel nest and just r- rambling all over the woods in order to get food. And what are deer eating? Deer are browsers. Um, so they're, they're eating uh, basically the buds of, of shrubs and trees. Um, they're eating any greenery they can find, munching on, you know, green sedges, um, things like that, um, that that might stay green over the winter, although they don't eat ferns. Uh, but, yeah, mostly mostly uh, buds and, and twigs. I see uh, the, the herds of deer that I see uh, around my neck of the woods seem really healthy and strong and big. Do they lose weight? As well in the yeah. winter? Yeah, they're also, you know, living off of fat stores to some degree. Um, you know, they'll, on a, winters like we were having lately with uh, reduced snow, um, the deer can, you know, kick around in the leaves to find acorns and, uh, you know, beech nuts and things like that to eat as well to supplement the, the, the twigs. Um, doesn't sound like a super energetic diet to eat have an animal that size living on twigs but they, they but they're making, they, it, through. making it through and um, we're talking with tom uh, lots he's the senior conservation ecologist with massachusetts audubon society and we're talking about the remarkable ability of mammals in new england to survive the winter now for some mammals particularly the small ones i'm thinking mice and voles um snow is a good thing right so it's like, ah, oh, snow, what are these little guys going to do? But actually, it's, it's beneficial for them. Can you talk about that? Sure. So uh, snow is a very effective insulator because there's a lot of sort of airspace trapped in a blanket of snow. And so if you have maybe, you know, six inches or a foot of snow, the ground surface temperature, regardless of what the air temperature would be, the ground surface would be close to the freezing point because the earth is naturally warm. So the, the ground surface might be 40, 50 degrees warmer than the air surface under a blanket of snow, um, which is just a huge benefit for the animals that can use that under snow area, or which is called the subnivian zone. Subnivian zone. Subnivian zone. The under subnivian the snow. zone. You, you should know, Brian. You're a uh, woodchuck. But it, when do these an, do all animals mate at a certain time? Like uh, mice, do they mate at the same time as deer? Uh, well, mice are mating more or less continuously the through the year. Uh, deer have a breeding season. Uh, yeah. So, so deer once a year. Is well, it springtime for deer? Times. Sp- springtime is when they right? have their their uh, fawns, right? Spring is when they have their fawns. So yeah, the rut is in in the sort of 
fall. And I know a lot of mammals are able to retain sperm. They have, um, uh, they, as you said, they rut in the fall, but they don't conceive right then, right? They're able to hold on to sperm and then have conception occurs later on. Is that? Well, there's a bunch of different ways that animals sort of control their reproduction like that. Black bears, for example, have delayed implantation. So the egg is fertilized uh, and then it's not implanted until months later. Wow. So the fertilized egg is just hanging out um, in the fallopian tube in the uterus (laughs) somewhere, but doesn't implant until pregnant and then pregnancy happens. That's so interesting. Wow. Um, Again, we're talking with Tom Laudenheiser. And and that, that verb was rut? Like R-U-T, I didn't understand what you were saying when you say when they... For deer, yes. Deer and moose have a a rut or a mating season. How about that? There we go. There's another science word of the day, rut. 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 We We got a a few of them, rut and um, what's the other one, torpid? And subnivian. Subnivian. We have three science words of the day. That's pretty good. It's a threefer. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go hide under some snow. Where Brian Adams is talking with Tom Lautzenheiser. He is the senior conservation ecologist at Mass Audubon. We're talking about winter adaptations of animals. We will be right back. Listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. WHMP. And there are scientists in the house Brian Adams, Tom Lautzenheiser from Mass Audubon, talking about, well, how mammals adapt in this region to winter. And we're talking about the true hibernators who are the woodchuck, a uh, couple. Uh, species of mice, the woodland jumping mice and the meadow jumping mice. Who knew they were jumping mice, right? But they're out there hibernating and a bunch of species of bats. Then sort of the light sleepers, the raccoons and the striped skunk and the bear and the chipmunks and everybody else is pretty active. Then there are those animals, Tom, that actually build nests that they can sort of manipulate the environment. Like us, we build our houses, they build our nests. I'm thinking beavers, I'm thinking squirrels. Uh, does anyone else, are anyone else nest builders out there? Those are the two big ones. Thomas Mammal-wise, yeah, I think... Um, Mammal-wise. Uh, yeah, the, certainly rodents are all building nests. Uh, you got your vole nests, your muskrat houses. Oh, right. Muskrat houses are similar to, be- to beaver. Like a dens, small right? beaver lodge. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, things like that. And that really can regulate the environment because they're just in there sort of huddling uh, for warmth as Gives well. them some shelter, yes. Some shelter. Uh, let's get back to the issue of climate change. We talk about how snow can be actually beneficial for small mammals. What do you think the impact of climate change is on mammals' ability to survive in the winter? We were talking before the show about, you know, cold rain, my least favorite thing, high 30s, no snow, rain, and the impact that that can have. Yeah, so, you know, getting wet in the wintertime is just absolutely a recipe for disaster for any of these animals. Uh, 
And a lot of them have fur and they keep it scrupulously dry. But if it's, you know, 40 degrees and raining, hypothermia um, if you're not under shelter. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's a challenge. I think with climate change, we're seeing uh, less snow and that lack of a snow cover is doing a few things. We already talked about the insulating effect of the snow, but also snow is white. So if you're a snowshoe hare and your coat turns white over the winter, you're just, you're not camouflaged anymore. You're sticking out like a sore thumb. So a lack of snow in the winter is absolutely terrible for snowshoe hare. Do we have snowshoe hares in New England? Yes, yes. Uh, Hilltowns, Lots, lots of snowshoe hair. Um, Buzz, you just have to talk about bluebirds. Uh, I'm sorry, it's not a you're, mammal. You're a bluebird kind of guy. A I am a bluebird kind of kinda guy. So here, Tom, is my story. We have had for a couple of decades, we've had bluebirds that regularly come to our couple of bluebird houses. And all of a sudden, in the past five, six, seven years, we've noticed that their, their progeny, I assume, um, unless they're all calling all other bluebirds to come here, but we have dozen at a time bluebirds around our house, which is just wonderful. They perch on roofs and we get to watch them. Well, all of a sudden they're around for the last few years, all winter to the point where I, I went to get my car out of the garage and there were a couple of bluebirds on the ground in my garage. They're staying around. Is that new behavior? Is that what bluebirds have always done? I thought they would migrate. So bluebirds... Uh, would tend to shift with the seasons uh, out of New England, but with the winter being less severe, they're they're sticking around more and more. So they're essentially winter residents these days. I'm, I'm glad to have them. I feel like Sleeping Beauty with all the bluebirds around us. Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> the, the bluebirds of happiness. And the woodchucks, Sleeping Beauty. The woodchucks are dead. Let's, let's go back to woodchucks, because I know when they, their body temperature can get into like the high... 30s, right? Yes. Uh, which is amazing. But at some point, they it, it, you, they can't freeze. So what happens if you have prolonged periods of, I don't know, single-digit days? Will the woodchucks get out of hibernation? Well, no. If they're if they are in hibernation and their body temperature drops below freezing, I think that would be it for that that woodchuck. Um, but they're they're trying to get below frost line in order you know, to hibernate. So if they succeed in that, then they should be safe from, from freezing. They should be able to keep their body temperature at that, you know, say 40 degree. Below frost line where they're burrowing maintains much more of a stable, uh, stable temperature. Yeah, right. uh, in a few weeks, those folks in Pennsylvania are going to be pulling up the woodchuck and saying, oh, is there a winter or is it there? Is there any truth to that? No. What, what, what's it? What, what, <laughs> What's the woodchuck's name? Puxatani Phil. Puxatani Phil. Did our scientist in residence just ask, is there any truth to that? I I am asking for our listeners' benefit. Um, Tom, you're laughing, but uh, (laughs) Um, no no truth to that. Sadly, no. No. Okay, good. Well, I don't don't like the idea that they're pulling the poor old woodchuck who's just trying to hibernate. It's still winter in February. We got a few more weeks. Um, I do not want to see you with a top hat on on in, 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 date in February. I will. I will not. Uh, before we leave, Tom, what best ways to observe animals in winter? People want to look for, you know, our tracks or 
signs, anything that people should be looking for yeah, out if there. Yeah, there's, if there's snow cover, just get out there and see what's around. I mean, your backyard will have uh, have lots of things, traffic across it, even after the first night of snowfall. So mice, foxes, raccoons, uh, sometimes you'll see possum tracks, uh, you know, lots of things depending on, you know, how warm it is, essentially, be depending, you know, affecting who's out there. So snow is a really good way to look at animal tracks, and animal tracks are a good way to know who is out and who's scurrying about and all of that stuff. We've been talking with Tom Lotzenheiser. He's a senior conservation ecologist at Massachusetts Audubon Society, based at Arcadia, right? That's Which correct. is a wonderful place to go in East Hampton. 700 acres, Arcadia? Something like that? Yeah, getting getting up there. Wonderful trails to go out and observe the winter woods, look for those animal tracks, look for signs of winter life by mammals doing their thing, at least the ones that aren't hibernating or light sleeping. You know, we, we, we can speak lightly about this, but it's so wonderful to learn more about the world in which we live, the world that surrounds us. And uh, it's really important to know about the, those mammals that we live with here in New England. Thank you, Brian Adams. Thank you, Tom. It's a pleasure. Thank you. We're going to be right back with the brand new spanking uh, commissioner of the probation service here in Massachusetts. I'm really excited for that conversation. We'll be right back. is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg.